thank you, thank you. It's a real joy to be a part of Community Bible Church this morning, and I uh, appreciate this uh, awesome opportunity to share God's Word. You know, um, this uh, uh, text, this uh, amazing text in uh, Matthew 13, uh, is so appropriate to our uh, time in the calendar. Uh, here we are uh, beginning the third week of spring, and to get a lesson uh, based on uh, planting seeds uh, kind of relates, especially to those of us that have now or have in the past had uh, vegetable gardens, flower gardens, uh, taking good care of our, uh, our lawns, etc. Time for uh, planting seeds. And here we are also in the glow of uh, Resurrection Sunday just uh, a few days ago. Now you've got to love the first verse in the Bible text, this amazing first verse. Uh, Jesus went out of the house. Uh, even that uh, is inspiring. Hey, let's uh, get out of the house. Let's enjoy the weather. Let's get out of the house. Uh, forget, try to forget um, some of the, the uh, disappointments of the lockdown. Let's uh, uh, be outside. And Jesus went to the lake. So I mean, a lot of wonderful images right there in the uh, first few words of this uh, text. And, and, and this uh, uh, passage, I like to focus on three facts, three dimensions of this uh, passage. One, the, the context. Uh, secondly, contrasts. And third, conflicts. Context contrasts and conflicts. In terms of the context, here Jesus is uh, at the lake. Uh, here is, in some sense, the Sermon on the Lake. We uh, enjoy referencing the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'm not sure why the phrase Sermon on the Lake has not caught on, but uh, I'd be delighted if it would, because there are many uh, uh, beautiful places where Jesus taught. And uh, Jesus is sitting in a boat, uh, and the people are on the shore, and that's just brilliant. I mean, that way he's not going to be mobbed, for one thing. Uh, for another thing, uh, the shore probably has a slight incline. Uh, most shores uh, do, so it's kind of a natural amphitheater. And it says multitudes were there to uh, hear him, a very large crowd, um, so that was uh, nice for everybody to be able to get a, uh, you know, be within eye range of this uh, uh, beautiful natural setting. And um, I did a little research on this. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that water amplifies sounds. Uh, so that uh, this is before electronic uh, public address systems, uh, water can uh, amplify uh, Jesus' uh, voice, and for one reason, um, sound travels five times as fast in water as in air, because the molecules are closer together. It doesn't take as long for them to bump into one another, and um, the that very uh, uh, density then uh, it carries the the sound uh, with you know, more coherence, and there's a refraction too, where the water's a little cooler helps bend the sound uh, uh, back toward 
uh, the lower levels, you know, black torch where people's uh, ears are. So um, uh, Jesus, who created all these natural phenomena, is uh, using them to uh, have a dramatic uh, lesson through uh, telling a parable. And, and curiously, in this chapter and in the previous chapter, there is quite a library of uh, parables all based in nature in one way or another. And um, even though you know, we're all urban folk, um, we're, we're still uh, you know, surrounded by trees, uh, even on uh, the busiest streets of, uh, of New York City um, uh, and uh, with pets and uh, many other uh, in plants in our homes, et cetera. Uh, the, uh, reality of the, the plant world and animal world is uh, still part of our lives as uh, urban people. For example, in, um, in the previous chapter, uh, the apostles are walking through uh, grain fields and eating raw grain, and uh, Jesus uses this as a parable of the liberty, uh, the liberty of the law. We're not, the law was um, made for us, not us for the law. Uh, Jesus healing on the Sabbath, his answer was, hey, if a sheep falls into the well, you're going to rescue it even on the Sabbath. So again, a, a, a beautiful nature story, our own natural desire to protect the life and, and safety and health of our sheep. Um, and uh, a parable of the trees, good trees uh, bring forth good fruit. All of this in the previous chapter. So we're definitely into the whole range of uh, lessons from nature. And personally, I think of nature as a regular a library of parables. Um, parables, not just the ones that Jesus taught, although he taught over 50 parables, but, but our own experience in nature very often as a um, resource for spiritual truth um, so that the book of nature uh, can enhance our understanding of uh, the books of the Bible, as as I think also the books of the Bible can enhance our understandings of uh, uh, the uh, book of nature, to be more uh, aware of its vibrancy, of its uh, sharing the same uh, creator, of uh, uh, being uh, uh, here for, with design and purpose as as we are, and be all the more drawn to our own uh, design and purpose. And, uh, you know, then, then comes this parable. And after this, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, then the parable of the mustard seed, and then the parable of the power of yeast. You just can't, uh, you know, we're surrounded by nature anyway. And Jesus, as the consummate teacher, was using all the resources around his students and around himself. Uh, so uh, let's be alert to ways in which uh, uh, nature can continue to teach us uh, lessons. Uh, that might be a, a good topic to come up in the discussion group, ways that we've learned spiritual truths from uh, nature. Uh, uh, maybe a couple testimonies uh, would uh, come out of that. So the, the context is huge. We, of course, are in the same context of vibrant nature here, especially in the spring, uh, definitely has to be one of uh, your four favorite seasons, right? 
Spring is one of your four favorite seasons. All right. No, I didn't hear anyone catch the joke, but anyway, uh, I see some smiles now. Um, and of course, spring when we see the vibrancy of, of uh, nature so powerfully. So the context. And by the way, Earth Day coming up in just another 11 days, too. So uh, we're, we could have a long list of other context-related issues that this parable really speaks to us in this season for many reasons, given as Jesus left the house and we're leaving our homes, uh, too. Now, how about contrast? I think there's, uh, there are lessons in this text that are easily missed because our translators haven't translated a couple of key words very well. And for this, we're gonna use, uh, briefly use a PowerPoint. Um, so if that could be uh, uh, put up on the screen. Wonderful, thank you. Um, now they, in English is basically one word for seeing and, um, and in most languages that I'm aware of, there's just one word for seeing. In the Greek language, actually, there are four words for seeing, at least uh, four words for seeing in the New Testament. And um, we, we miss sometimes the lessons because our translators, uh, for reasons I cannot understand, cannot comprehend, but our translators uh, dumb it down so we are not seeing the texture of Jesus' teaching or the texture of the Bible stories because all the words for see are simply translated see in our uh, translations such as, you know, uh, NIV and, well, I guess pretty much a broad, a broad scale with a couple of uh, rare exceptions that really don't help that much. So here are two of the key words for seeing. I did a typo on the second one, um, but the first one is blepo, meaning to take a superficial look, just take a quick look, um, not to study something, not to examine details, not to become familiar, um, but you know, I saw it. I, I, I looked at that picture on the wall and, and walked by. I didn't really study the expressions or the uh, details of the painting or photograph. And the other one that is repeated here in this text is hara'o, that should be an O, H-O-R-A-O, hara'o, to become thoroughly acquainted, to carefully perceive, to examine, even to know. It's, um, it's uh, is used in uh, Bible texts as a word for to come to know something because it's such a thorough seeing. And even in the Greek as in English, seeing can be a mental thing, not just seeing through our eyes. But at any rate, in this text, there, there are uh, uh, about three different moments where it makes sense only if we understand that there are two different kinds of seeing in this text as Jesus himself taught it. And, and I'm not uh, 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 skeptical at all that Jesus could very well be teaching in the Greek language. He was probably trilingual. Um, he probably was fluent in Aramaic 
in Hebrew and in Greek. Uh, and we say that because there are some kind of Greekisms in his way of saying things, even though they're in the Greek, we know that they're kind of Greekisms too, culturally Greek way of saying things. So Jesus was a literate person, was probably trilingual. Um, but in any case, uh, here are uh, the three verses that are the three sections of this reading that are uh, uh, transformed. We're gonna go quickly to the next slide um, that there is a distinction between two kinds of hearing, but in this text, the excellent translators translate these correctly. Akuo, they translate to hear, and uh, uh to understand, but it's a kind of intense hearing. So the, um, that we don't have a problem with the hearing analogy to the spiritual truths of this parable. It's the seeing analogy that is constantly being uh, hidden by our translators. All right, next screen, please. So we're going to look at verse 13, and I put in here uh, the Greek words for the seeing or the uh, hearing. Though seeing... This is uh, uh, Jesus referencing the problem of people understanding his teaching and, um, and probably in some sense, on one hand, complicated by his parables, although the parables give us a depth that we would not have otherwise. And so the uh, uh, challenge of understanding that the parables give to us is, um, is actually part of the solution of understanding. Uh, Jesus teaching and and beautifully Jesus is using a parable to explain his use of parables uh, the importance of hearing carefully so that we understand the importance of seeing carefully so that we can actually see not just uh, have a, a quick uh, uh, you know blippo you know, one of the ways you can remember the difference is the, the blippo is just like taking a quick blip look. Uh, you know, a blip could be a, a, a kind of just very nanosecond look at something. So those seeing, just superficially seeing, they do not even superficially see uh, is this uh, reference that Jesus is giving, kind of paraphrasing something from Isaiah. And although hearing, they do not hear. Even hearing, they do not hear or understand. They don't really even hear in the first place. Now, we, we who, have, uh, who are parents, we probably have, a, have many memories of trying to explain something to our children, uh, and they're not listening at all. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but um, we're, we have perfect children, of course, but there were times when you had to say things three or four times or more, and uh, as teachers or neighbors or uncles and aunts, whatever our many roles, uh, very often uh, we're challenged by people not hearing. In fact, sometimes even between spouses, uh, one says something very clearly and the other just misses it completely. Um, Vicki and I, uh, shortly after we were married a couple of years ago, uh, we took a course on communication and one of the things was how to listen very attentively. And, um, um, and I think that was very 
very helpful uh, to us. But back to the scriptures then, verse 14. Uh, Jesus is paraphrasing from Isaiah chapter six, right after Isaiah's conversion, amazing vision of God and, and all the, uh, the angels uh, singing, holy, holy, holy. It's that same context, Isaiah six. This is from verses uh, nine and 10. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Um, and he goes on then on the visual side. Now, the translators get it right on that first uh, couple lines. But then you will be ever seeing, but never carefully seeing. You're always blipping, but never hurrahing, right? Uh, and this is so true of so many people, even at church. We can kind of half listen to the songs or the prayers or the message and um, and forget it within a few minutes after the, the church service because we're not really listening. We're not kind of sitting forward. We're not really uh, being all ears. Uh, so this can relate to all of us, I think. Next uh, slide, please. For this people's heart has become calloused. And I don't think it's a Jewish problem. I think it was people's heart. You could even drop drop the uh, uh, the this word here, uh, as we understand. Isaiah and Jesus are referencing their own context, but it's a human condition. Uh, hearts can be calloused and hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see carefully and perceive, perceive carefully, all right? Uh, and this uh, NIV and uh, uh, the New Living Translation and a couple of others get right. They do translate this perceive, but it really is a stronger word, carefully perceive. And with their eyes, uh, with their eyes, and they hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and, and turn and I will heal them, all right? Uh, so if we you know, really do see and hear and understand, the Lord will heal us. And then please, the next slide. But blessed are your eyes, Jesus is saying, because your eyes see, blippo, and your ears, uh, uh, because they hear. You're blessed, even though you're not listening or seeing, all right? You're not really carefully perceiving, but blessed are your eyes. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see, that is really to perceive carefully, the, the ancients and the prophets, they really wanted to see carefully what you are superficially seeing. But they did not see carefully. And they wanted to hear what you hear, uh, but uh, did not hear it. So you see the contrast that really helps shape this text. Uh, the, the dominant theme is to be like the path or the rocky places or places surrounded by the, the thorns. And Jesus is saying, hey, you all have your eyes closed. You're hardly seeing. You're not seeing at all. And you're not really listening because you don't understand. Please, uh, next slide. Now, keep in mind, and we're going to come back to this, that uh, the parable 
has multiple meanings. Uh, and even as uh, Jesus teaches the meaning of the parable, uh, we are uh, hopefully the good soil that receives the word attentively. We attend to the word, but also that we are good sowers. Back to uh, Pastor Dick's uh, comments earlier, everyone is a missionary. Uh, so that uh, we have a dual role here. Within the parable, it doesn't make sense for the soil to be a sower, but for us, it does. We need to be uh, eager recipients of the word and really listening attentively to attend to the word. And we need to uh, see, even to picture what's going on in the Bible text uh, and to see uh, carefully perceiving. So to be good soil and to be good sowers are uh, two of the points of the uh, Bible text here. All right, uh, so we're gonna uh, close out the uh, PowerPoint. All right, so I hope you found that helpful. And then if you go through the text, even to mark your Bible or mark the uh, mark on your notes in some way those uh, key differences. Um, but uh, this contrast really does uh, matter in uh, so many things. Maybe to give uh, one uh, uh, analogy in the story of the resurrection, you may have read this uh, portion of scripture last week, but in the story of the resurrection, there's this uh, amazing um, reference to Mary uh, looking into the tomb where the, the stone has been rolled back right at uh, sunrise. And, and she looks in, and that's Blippo. All right? Uh, and verse 1, I think, of John 20. And then John and uh, uh, Peter are alerted by Mary, and they come running. And John looks into the tomb, kind of does it kind of quickly checks. And yes, Mary's right. The body's not here. The, the grave clothes are just piled up. And uh, Peter comes in, and there's another word, one of the other words for seeing is used here, is kind of uh, checking out a little more, kind of looking at a few things, not really carefully perceiving, and, um, and noticing that the face cloth of Jesus was folded up in a separate place, implying lots of things, implying that this was not just stolen, you know, no one would be carrying a body uh, uh, very far anyway with, without a face covering. Uh, you know, it would be just, it, it made more likely something strange happened. It wasn't just someone stealing the body. And, uh, and also as a symbol, if you folded your napkin, as a symbol, you're coming back. Uh, so there, there was probably, uh, Jesus was leaving a few uh, clues that he's alive by folding his uh, face cloth, his uh, head cloth, uh, in a separate place and folding it neatly. But then it says in verse uh, 6, uh, 7, right, 8. That was verse 6 and 7. Then verse 8, uh, it says, John went into the tomb, and he saw and believed. Now, I've often uh, wondered, what is that? He... Mary was the first to see Jesus alive, but John was the first to believe. It says he saw and believed. 
And the word for saw there in verse 8 of John 20 is horeo. He really examined every detail. He looked at all, all that he could see. And, and he experienced this conversion. He believed that Jesus uh, was alive. And, and why? And I think it's always good to ask why. Uh, why do some people see some things other people miss? And, and there are probably two big categories uh, to this. And in addition to just curiosity, some of us try to remain as children with uh, driving curiosity. Uh, and it irritates people around us because we're always asking questions, always want to know more. Uh, and uh, yeah, keep that. It's probably you know, in a mature state uh, what drives uh, scientists uh, the rest of their lives. And I would uh, hope would drive all of us as mature Christians to always be curious, always to want more. Give me more. And uh, expect, even as we open a familiar passage of scripture, to see something more. Because we're driven by a love for the author of scripture. We want to hear it again. Because not just to hear it again, but because hearing it again, we will hear something fresh, something new. Um, Augustine referenced the Bible as a continually flowing a stream of water. And that whenever we come back to it, We've been there uh, many times, but there's that fresh drink that's, that'll awaken us, that will nourish us into uh, uh, the new challenges of the day, new challenges of the week. So curiosity is important, but two others that are more planned, experience, for example. Experiences can awaken us in, and uh, John was loaded with experience. For one thing, he was uh, the youngest of the apostles, probably in some sense driven more by curiosity than the others. But John was also there at crucial times. He was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says there that he and the other two apostles that were with them saw Jesus just glow with divinity. And that, guess what? The word for saw there is harao. They were saw carefully they perceived they were their eyes were wide open their brains were hyperactive they were just taking in extraordinary experience and and then a few days later john is uh in just really uh three days three and a half days or so before john is there in the empty tomb uh jesus you know john uh was leaning on the breast of Jesus as they partook of the Seder, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, that Thursday evening. And we don't have a reference to anyone else being, being touched in that way. Uh, that, but, you know, G he was leaning against Jesus, physically touching Jesus. And then the next day, he's the only apostle that shows up for the the crucifixion and and that was such an extraordinary time with with uh, god's own the the father's own uh extraordinary special effects with the darkening of the, the scene and the, the thunder and lightning and the earthquake and and all this happening that even the, the the pagan centurion said surely this must be the son of god and john who already 
trusted Jesus, uh, seeing the crucifixion, seeing all this happening, uh, was probably transformed in some way. That experience changed things. But also the teaching of Jesus. You know, John and the others, apostles, uh, pretty much heard the same teaching. But John is the only writer who records many things that Jesus said about he himself being life not just follow my ways and you will receive life, but Jesus referenced himself as life. For example, um, you know, uh, for example, uh, as the father has life in himself, he's granted the son to have life in himself. John 5, 38. Um, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And John records that twice. Uh, Jesus said, um, you know, uh, my words are full of spirit and life. My words are full of life. Not just I can lead you to life, but my very words are full of life. And Jesus said to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And then a little later, again on Thursday night, the night that John was leaning against Jesus' chest, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John, these half dozen references, quotes from Jesus, John is the only one that records them. So he was paying attention, maybe when the others were dreaming about fishing or uh, wanting to go home or whatever, but uh, John was attentive and therefore uh, his listening to Jesus' teaching prepared his eyes and his spirit and mind to believe Jesus was resurrected, resurrected because Jesus is life. His own perception of Jesus all along had been different, probably from the other apostles, of course. All of our perceptions are different to some extent, but John so dramatically oriented to what Jesus said about his being life. Now, Jesus said a lot about you receive me, you will receive life. You know, John 3, 16 and a dozen other passages that John says, but the ones I gave you are ones where Jesus says, I am the life. And, and I, that would really open the, the perceptual doors for John to um, uh, be the first to believe uh, just uh, maybe an hour or so before uh, Mary encounters uh, the living Christ. So keep that in mind. If we want to be uh, better, better soil, if we want to be able to receive the word more attentively, more powerfully, more with greater transformation in our lives, if we desire that, then we need to seek out uh, the experiences and the training that help enhance our hearing and our engagement with the word and our uh, curiosity. Keep that alive as well. I, 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 I think as a just quick personal testimony, as a 11-year-old, uh, I had a transforming encounter with Jesus. Now, I had 
committed my life to Jesus as a nine-year-old, been baptized in the church as a nine-year-old. Um, but when I was 11, I had a, a, a extraordinary experience of, of Jesus in a personal way. And that drove me to want to read the Bible a lot more, to really get to know the one who now I'm not only committed to, but I had encountered in a transforming way, had a, a, a deep experience of Jesus. And I started studying the Bible two hours a day and began then uh, uh, a couple of years later, actually memorizing a chapter of the Bible a week. And, and that made no sense probably to most people. Uh, and by the way, it, it, in the process, I became a straight A student because I, I was driven to learn more about God's nature, not just God's book. The two books of God are our nature and the Bible. So my going deep into the Bible as a, as a teenager and before being a teenager was enhancing my understanding of God's other book, uh, all of creation around us, even you know, complex cultured creation and our uh, culture effect on, uh, on nature. So at any rate, so here we have then the context, nature, powerful nature loaded with parables, the ones that Jesus taught and ones that we can uh, recognize also with our own uh, abilities. And then we had the contrast, different ways of seeing. And even just looking at someone else, you can't just tell, most of the time, I don't think you can really tell looking at someone if they're really listening to you or if their mind is on the game this afternoon. You don't, don't really know. In fact, too often at church, we're thinking about lunch. And during lunch, we're thinking about the game. You know, during the game, we're thinking about whatever. <laughs> it's uh, We are the most absent-minded creatures that God uh, created, I think. And we can learn about paying attention. We can learn about seeing, perceiving carefully. We can learn about coming to understand, not just to hear. So then the conflicts, the conflict is the, the contrast between the different soils, you know, the, the hard path, uh, uh, the hard soil on the path, um, the, uh, uh, the seed was just snatched away by uh, birds, uh, it was not given uh, uh, any chance of uh, growing. And then the rocky soil, no roots. So um, trouble comes, persecution comes, and with, with no real roots, um, our, own, our own commitments can, can dry up. Our own can, can, commitments can weather away. Or the, or the people that we bring to Jesus, if we're not uh, helping the, the soil of their souls, the soil of their spirits, soil of their minds, to be more and more receptive of the word and the spirit, then, then we, we run the risk that trouble comes or persecution comes and, and they will fall away. Uh, the evil one uh, steals the seed, so it makes uh, growth impossible. Uh, uh, and the, um, 
uh, rocky soil uh, with no roots, uh, uh, the, the plants are demolished. And then in the thorn, thorny uh, uh, area of the, the garden, um, bushes, uh, weeds, uh, uh, the, the plants are distracted uh, so that they're really smothered by these uh, distractions of uh, the worries of life or um, the uh, greed or, or lust or other uh, distractions of the beautiful things that God has made. But the good soil hears and understands. Now, what's interesting is that the verses 18 through 23, in those in that whole last paragraph, there's not a reference to seeing at all. So the distinction we made earlier <clears throat> does not directly come up in that last paragraph. It's strictly staying with the analogy of hearing. And of course, we do see the word and we hear the word. It's not just an analogy, but it's also a spiritual analogy that that our souls have ears, our hearts have ears, our spirits have ears, our, our minds have ears in, in this uh, metaphorical sense we all understand. And, um, and it's only the good soil that, that, uh, that is you know, soft enough to receive the seeds and receive the other nutrition, the, the rain filled with uh, nutritional, uh, a value of, of you know, chemicals that the plants uh, need, and in addition to, of course, the water itself and the sunshine and so forth. All that can happen on good soil because the good soil is like a person who hears and understands. So that these contrasts, these conflicting results are all related to different ways of hearing and Jesus wants to sharpen our hearing by giving uh, four or five dozen parables <laughs> that make us hear kind of like, ah, what was that again? Let's read that again. Let's, let's go back and understand more what's going on in this parable. There's something deep. And uh, some of those parables are just a sentence long. Some of them are a half a chapter or, or more, but nevertheless, uh, Jesus is telling a parable about how to listen to parables and to listen with our hearts prepared to receive. I don't know if anyone on the call has ever done farming, but one place where we lived, uh, uh, neighbors were urging us to have a, a vegetable garden. And I said, okay, uh, uh, you know, give us some advice and we'll be glad we uh, enjoy doing it. And one guy says, you can't have a vegetable garden now. Not with the way your soil is. Your soil is too hard. I said, well, that's the soil I got. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you need your soil disked. Well, I'm a city kid. I'm an inner city kid. I had no idea what disking meant. And, um, and maybe some of you also. There's this gadget they attract, uh, attached to the tractor. There's heavy disks. And they drove over the area that was going to be the garden, drove over it dozens of times. And I saw as the soil broke up and what was just hard soil was, was just soft soil, like you might bar, uh, buy at the uh, garden store. They say, here's planting soil. Well, that's somewhat what it turned out to be. And, um, 
And by the way, before he did that, he urged us to gather whatever leaves we could find uh, under bushes or whatever, put them on the on that part so that the leaves would be uh, dissed right into the uh, soil. But at any rate, we had a great carpet, a cart. We had a great crop that year. Everything grew fantastically, partly with the advice of our neighbors, but also partly because the soil was prepared. You don't just stick uh, seeds in soil. And um, the, uh, you know, a lot of research has been done, whatever happened to the harvest. We are, all of us probably have the problem of uh, witnessing to relatives or neighbors or friends and, and they're just like hard soil. Uh, and uh, I, I think the challenge is to understand ways to raise interest, to spark curiosity, to uh, awaken their ears. And, um, you know, let's, uh, again, there's something that's with all the smart people on this call, uh, we ought to be talking about this in the discussion or even during the week uh, to, to talk about ways that we can increase people's interest. Um, you know, one thought was, uh, hey, if we see something in scripture that really grabs our attention, we see its relevance, uh, uh, write a quick email and do an email blast to all your cousins and your neighbors, uh, a kind of testimony. Hey, this, uh, this verse in the Bible absolutely grabbed my attention. And, and uh, it, it taught me this lesson I wanted to share it with you. And, and have that childlike enthusiasm to increase the curiosity that others might have to the book that matters so much for all of us. And while we're at it, to do everything to increase curiosity in our own souls, uh, to be more attentive to the reading of the word, even to read out loud, read out loud with our ears cupped like this, we hear our voice differently. We're gonna pay attention more to what we're reading if we read out loud with our ears cupped, then the sound and the sight will merge together uh, to, to raise the attention our brain is giving. And believe me, <clears throat> that matters. So uh, let's uh, be all committed to being better dirt. All right. <clears throat> Someone asks you, what did you learn in the message this morning? Just tell them. Uh, I'm learning to be better dirt. Well, it's not so bad, actually, because uh, right in the beginning, God shaped some dirt and uh, breathed his own spirit into it. And so we are uh, dirt with uh, the blessing of, uh, of God's um, uh, mind and spirit uh, uh, you, you know, blown into us by a miracle of his creation. Uh, powerful truth, the powerful parable of who we are. We're still, in some sense, uh, dirt. The analogy with the parable here should not be hard to realize. And also to be good sowers. And maybe in the same day, working on being uh, better dirt and also uh, better sowers uh, to prepare the soil. <clears throat> you know, my reaction when I read this uh, parable always is, well, why didn't the sower uh, loosen up some of the dirt on the on the rocky soil area and clear out some of those thorns? Well, of course, of course. But the point is, too often we don't do that. 
in our evangelism, especially in our big missionaries, we don't do that. We're not really addressing the situation of that person and that person struggles, disappointments, uh, uh, you know, the experiences that hardened them to the Bible, hardened them to the church. As hard as that may sound to you and me, and we need to be the healing presence, uh, helping to prepare uh, the soil in their lives as we are good sowers. So uh, <coughs> I pray this has helped to spark your curiosity, help you review and, and grow in your experiences. You know, having experiences is not passive. It's, it's having something happen, but where we digest what happened. Uh, you know, it's not just a lab experiment, experiment uh, Dr. Crawfield. It's doing the lab report. <laughs> you know, what did you see? So there's a reflection on the experience. Even if the uh, lab test was, uh, an experiment was done by the professor in the front of the room, the students still have to write up the report. So it's not just a passive experience, it's a learned experience. And I find with my own students, uh, if they're not writing papers or answering test questions, uh, they're probably not learning anything. It's only as we digest, actively learn, actively reflect, actively grow in uh, our hearing and our seeing uh, that we actually do grow. Otherwise, it's only the perception of growing, which is very deceitful. So may the Lord help us to be good dirt and good sowers. Let's pray. Great God, we just are honored to be studying your holy word, to have this precious text in our hands and before our eyes and, and to hear um, the text read and to hear some thoughts about the text. May, may we be excellent hearers to really understand. May we be excellent seers in order to actually carefully perceive, thoroughly examine, and to grow in the nourishment that your word is giving us all uh, today. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen.